Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, it's three of the most magical words in basketball, Lakers versus Celtics. That's Tuesday night at Staples Center. We'll break it down in our first legit Locked on crossover episode with Locked on Celtics host and Locked on NBA podcast host uh, John Corrales. So uh, we'll talk about LeBron. We'll talk about Russ. We'll talk about what's right and wrong with both these teams, and we'll do it next. You are Locked On Lakers, your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday. We get this thing up bright and early for you. want to let you know as well that uh, Locked on Lakers today brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money, uh, helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want or don't need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. Um, all right, so that the, the business is taken care of. Let's get to our conversation with John Corrales of Locked on Celtics. Hey, John. I'm just wondering, like, Andy and I were talking about this a little earlier, too. We were trying to, like, what... There was a stretch where... You know, obviously, Lakers Celtics defined the NBA. Of course, Lakers Celtics to uh, seven o'clock tonight uh, at Staples Center, um, and then a long time when it was completely irrelevant, like for anything other than you know people who just wanted to look back on the Showtime era and the Bird Celtics and all that. Yeah. It was revived with the the two finals, but that's it's been a decade. Like, what is does does Lakers? How does Lakers Celtics resonate now in Boston? Because uh, um, I just think it's an interesting question. I think I think for Celtics fans, it's always going to be something that that's a little extra special, right? Doesn't matter who, doesn't matter when, doesn't matter the record. When you're a, a really true diehard Celtics fan, the Lakers. When the Lakers come to town, there's a little something extra. The the building does feel different. Uh, you know, ESPN came in and they brought like two dozen people. They had everybody there. The media room was crazy. The we ran out of food. Like it was, it was crazy in the uh, for for that game. But you can see it in the stands. You can see it. There are a lot of Lakers jerseys in there. People are a little extra rowdy. So I think while it doesn't have the same cachet, I think league wide, when we're we're both kind of covering teams that are middling around five hundred at the moment, it's it's still I think within our little spheres. I think it's still a special thing. Yeah, I, what I always think about that that I find interesting with this, because obviously for for whatever it means to the fans is up to the fans, and the fans decide that you know if you're somebody that just loves the tradition, that's the way you're going to be about this, regardless of where the teams are at. But I remember years ago uh, when when Brian and I were covering the like the Kobe Powell era Lakers, Kobe talking about how before that 2008 finals that you guys won. And then a couple of years later, the Lakers won. But before that Lakers Celtics didn't really mean anything to him as a player. Like, you know, and, and this is somebody like Kobe knew the Laker history backwards and forwards, you know, as yeah. a big reason he wanted to be a Laker as, as a kid, you know, Kobe could have been a basketball historian if he wanted to, but he always said like for a rivalry to truly mean something for the players, it can't be, you know, either manufactured or just uh, like tethered to history. Like, you know, from his perspective, when he came into the league, you know, the Celtics and Lakers were never really good at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like the Kings and Spurs, like 
those were the games that got him up more personally than Lakers Celtics until he experienced that no eight. And then once he experienced then, he was like, okay, now I truly get it. And, and all of that explains why he frankly wigged out during the 2010 game seven. Just because the, the <laughs> I mean, he, he said afterwards, like the, the weight and the magnitude of all of that, yeah. even for somebody like Kobe, who has been there, done that as anybody in the league, it still was like, holy crap. This mm-hmm. is like your Celtics game seven. Game seven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's really nothing to me in basketball quite like a Celtics Lakers game seven. And so, um, yeah, that's that's it's still to me. And again, I'm, I'm an old guy. So I, I remember I was I cut my teeth on Celtics Lakers in the 80s, like bird magic was. Well, you my, are old. My <laughs> I am old. <laughs> yeah, I was a, I was a teenager when the Celtics like. 86 I was 13 years old so that run of of basketball like greatness is is I think that's where the league turned back around obviously I think Magic and Larry saved the NBA from the 70s kind of cocaine fueled uh labor issues and, and all of that stuff you make but, it sound uh, so bad john i know I was like, <laughs> it from what that sounds great some would yeah. call that a party john <laughs> well right, debbie down sure. uh, <laughs> look who's yeah. the hall monitor over there in <laughs> boston <laughs> yeah uh well but anyway <laughs> yeah yeah i i think i think look when what what sells it for me is when players come in and they'll say things like, and I get where Kobe was coming from. You get up for the games against other good teams. When you're good, you're not getting up for when one team's good and one team's bad. That's not a real rivalry. You're coming in to get your ass kicked. But when both teams are on equal footing, either both bad or both good or both in the middle where the Celtics and Lakers are, it still ends up the potential for a really good game. And it does bring back some of those memories. And, and some of these players that come into Boston, whether they're traded or free agents or maybe even from other teams you 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 can say yeah whatever it's just it's boston it's old and stodgy and whatever then you walk in and you see the banners and you stand on the parquet and it's the same thing when you walk into staples and you see the banners and you stand on the floor and you see that big logo there and you're like oh wait a minute yeah nope no, this Play, is player new players talk all the time, John, about how the first time they go into the Lakers practice facility and mm-hmm. they see all 17 of those trophies and the banners, and it mm-hmm. really is like, oh wow. Yeah. Like, wow. And the Celtics have that in their facility too, up yeah. on one end, all replica banners there. You walk in, it's like, whoa. Uh, I I got I got work to do. Have they, have the, do the banners still hold up? Because so few of them are from the modern era. Boom! Ooh! <laughs> wow! Look at uh, that low hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah. No, and here, and here's more. Hey, hey, please ignore no. the titles the Lakers <laughs> won in Minneapolis as I make that joke. Yeah, no, I know, I know. That was that was going to be my comeback. That that yeah. the city of Boston still has 17 championships, and the city of Los Angeles only has what 11. So, uh, but actually, the answer is no. That they don't hold up because the original ones are on display in the uh in the boston public library right now and they're all like smoke stained kind of <laughs> old cotton like the old garden where people used to smoke not just like the cigars the red arback cigars and all that wafted up to the rafters and that just soaked just nicotine tinged oh uh, 
Oh, John, you're you're describing in my mind just a wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> the idea that everywhere you could go, like everywhere you walked into, you got your nicotine fix, no matter <laughs> no matter what the setting. Like if you went you know, to your physician and your physician wasn't smoking, you went and picked a different one. Like, yeah, well, I don't I mean, trust that's... my non-smoking doctor. I gotta go to a better one. I love it. I mean, this is it's like uh it's always yeah. you guys watch Always Sunny. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when uh, when uh, Dennis tells, tells Mac, uh, I swallowed a couple of apple seeds. He says, "Smoke a cigarette; it'll keep the toxins down." Like that's that's the type <sighs> of medical advice that you used to. I remember, like I, I I in my research for my book, like you you find old commercials and old magazine ads, and there's Bob Cousy with a cigarette saying, "I recommend such and such a, a brand cigarettes," and you're like, "Oh my god, these professional <laughs> athletes." Are sitting there saying like, "Hey, this cigarette is what gets me through." Well, it was either ta- it was either take the cigarette endorsement or get it like a third job as a carpenter. <laughs> like these, right. these guys didn't have a lot of options back. There then. was a funny story with Tommy Heinsohn with Red Arback. The Tommy, yeah, what was he uh, complaining about? Where he was so Tommy obviously used to smoke. It's the sixties. He used to smoke, and and Red said, "You got to quit smoking. We need you to be in better shape." So he quit the smoking and he put on like fifteen pounds. And, he, and Red was like, just start smoking again because you got to be lighter. I'd rather take you lighter <laughs> and, and wheezing a little bit. So just go back to your smoking. That's fine. Yeah. Nobody ever oh, called man. Vladdy fat. I, well, you, you, both of you said something that was, was I think, key to the discussion about uh, Tuesday's game. Uh, the, the, the rivalry means more when the teams are good. And both of these teams are in a position where they're supposed to be. Um, and it hasn't gone according to plan so uh let's get the lay of the land with both uh, the lakers and the celtics we'll do that next Locked on Lakers brought to you by Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's because it's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't want, need, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to 720 bucks a year with Truebill. Companies make subscriptions difficult to cancel, but Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Uh, Locked on Lakers also brought to you by Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh down on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or elite podcasters like us. Uh, you're just trying to make it through the day tension-free, and Theragun can help both Andy and I have one of these things. They are phenomenal. It's the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. And the Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. So whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, the stresses of daily life, there's no substitute for Theragun Gen 4 and the OLED screen. Uh, OLED screen design make you feel like you're holding something from the future, like a robot or something. Just go to their site, check it out. Theragun app uh, learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. And you can try Theragun, Andy, for 30 days starting at only $199. So you go to therabody.com slash locked on right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on. Therabody.com slash locked on. 
Andy and I talk all the time about where the Lakers are, um, or more specifically where they aren't. Um, Boston, you guys were, I believe, four and six and have gone nine and five or nine and four, whatever the math is, since then. Mm-hmm. Um, is what what had what was the problem? What turned around? And do you think there's a lesson in here that Lakers fans could latch onto that might make them feel better about where the the that the Lakers are right now? Because it's not good. Yeah. Um. I don't think what happened for the Celtics is going to happen for the Lakers because what happened with the Celtics is they turned up their defense and they became a a really good defensive team. I think the last two games, and we're still in small enough sample size where you have a a game where you give up, uh, they give 137 to the Jazz who shot like historically great uh, in that game. And then they gave up another 110 or 117 to the Portland Trailblazers. So they're, they're, Defensive rating went from like fifth or sixth down to tenth, mm-hmm. but they had, at the beginning of the season, their defensive rating was in the twenties, and then they they built it up until up to like five or six. And what happened was early in the season they were switching just a ton, and, and Ime Doka wanted to instill in them the ability to just switch, and and it was something that was foreign to everybody. So we just did this. I've been calling it immersion therapy. Say we're just switching everything. This is all we're doing. We're not changing. We're not going into drop. We're not switching one through three. We're doing everybody switching. And everybody was just, it was like so overboard that it became like a huge story within the media. Like, are you really going to switch this much? Are you really going to put Robert Williams out there against every point guard? And once they started to really get the hang of that, he started to slowly involve other defenses. And now he's got traditional coverage, a little bit more non-traditional stuff. And they can go to kind of whatever they want and interchange. So I think the plan worked for Ime. And the Celtics have become a pretty good defensive team. Offensively, they're starting to kind of turn it around. Jason Tatum, the beginning of the season, was just missing everything. He was in the biggest funk of his life. And now he's starting to break out of that. So I think if as, as they go, as he goes, they go offensively. So I think it starts with them just really ratcheting up the defense, winning some games, staying in some games where defensively they had that uh, 88, 86 win over Philly, which was gross and disgusting, but that's how, that's how they've been winning some of these games. What what were you seeing specifically with Tatum that might explain just the struggles and, and why, I mean, looking at his splits, I mean, they are brutal except yeah. for like the last three games heading into this one with the Lakers. Yeah. I think with Tatum, it was he was being asked first of all i think he just starts slow in general now um and there were a lot of factors like he was on team usa and he had a short turnaround so his off season was a little bit different than a normal off season and i think he came in with a, a real kind of i'm going to the rim mentality but at the beginning of the season the refs were really swallowing their whistles and he got super super frustrated and, and his complaining to the refs was out of control and then you add to that, Ime was, has been asking him and pushing him to expand his game to be a playmaker. Really, when you get double teamed, just get off the ball fast, move, try to get it back, but really create for your teammates. And I think that I've been likening that to when you download a new app that eats a lot of processing power and you wonder why on the rest, like, why isn't the rest of my stuff working as well as it used to on my phone? Like, the processing power that it took to say, okay, now I've got to read this game and make these, these passes and these reads that he wasn't making before. 
because now I got to do all this and and then look for my shot. And I think that just when you're not playing with a clear mind, I think things start to kind of it's easy to fall into a little bit of a funk. You add all that other stuff in and it just exacerbated the problem and it just sent him down into a spiral. But to his credit, he did stick with it. And I think now that he's he's had a couple of games where he's hitting some shots, he's got that confidence back and he's still slinging some passes. He threw some passes against Portland that were like laser beams. So hopefully for the Celtics, this is something that can can continue because Ime's challenging him to be basically an MVP candidate rather than a second or third team All-NBA type of guy. So adding that element to his game, that element to his passing, if he can get the shooting back up and keep that passing and still play defense, like all of that stuff will make him the MVP candidate that every team needs to be a contender. You mentioned how Emi Adoka challenged him to do that. How much do you think that registered with a guy like Tatum versus hearing it from Marcus Smart? who was basically saying the same thing <laughs> publicly in, in a way that it became much more of a story. Yeah. I mean, I think coming from your teammate, it, it's one thing to say like, yeah, we need you to do this. And and there's like a, like, yeah, whatever uh, kind of element I think to that. But when, when it's the new coach and it's a guy that you've kind of co-signed, you know, you, you had the Tatum rubber stamp on that. You, you kind of, you owe it to him to say, all right, we're, this is what you want. All right, I'm going to try this. And I think Tatum kind of knew coming in because he'd had that experience with Team USA. Emi Odoka was on the development staff on, on Team USA. And I think that he kind of knew what was coming. So, like, this wasn't a surprise. It wasn't like Emi said, no, no, you just be yourself. And then he comes in like, psych, I want you to drop 10 assists a game. So I think he kind of had an idea that that this was coming. And I think Marcus Smart just kind of, I mean, he's the longest tenured Celtic. He, you know, might as well be a captain. And I think, I think Smart had some other frustrations that were being kind of expressed in that, and it just came out as a, an outright criticism of Tatum. I think his 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 anger was broader than that, but they seem to have squashed that because since then they they've made a run and they've really been playing better basketball. But, like that, one of the like LeBron after the after the Clippers game, you know, talked about Hat was talking about. The, the centerless lineups when the Lakers really lean into going small and how much he likes those both offensively and defensively and stopped and pointed out like that said I was you know garbage for you know these six minutes when we did it and I have to be much better like for all of their problems they haven't had teammates yet kind of calling each other out and I don't know if it's because LeBron hasn't been there but they're handling it internally and all that kind of stuff or maybe it's just not something that is an issue um with these guys in terms of you know feeling that that players are deficient in one way or another i just i just wonder like if something like that is is going on kind of under the hood because there's there's the the, the westbrook thing which you know undoubtedly lebron and ad helped engineer um signed off on by management rob palinka loves stars just as much as those guys do like this is their deal. Um, like I, I don't know if if the way the Celtics are constructed is quite the same way, where the players own what's been going on right. there in the same way that the Lakers players own what's going on with the Lakers. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely not like Tatum is not pulling strings right mm-hmm. now, and and I think I think first of all because he's not at a level where he can pull the same kind of strings that 
LeBron and Anthony Davis can. And I think because, I mean, he's only just starting to feel the, the weight of his powers, you know, like he's, he's just getting into his second contract and he's, he's been with this team from the beginning and, and had very strong kind of upper management leadership along the way, very stable franchise. And so I don't think he's ever felt the need to challenge and they had early success. His rookie year, they, they went to the conference finals and, and nearly beat LeBron in a game seven. So I think early on, he's kind of felt like, yeah, okay, this is part of it. Like we're winning, we're, we're winning playoff series. We're, we're making some noise. We're not quite there yet, but we're so close. And so last season was the first really down season of Tatum. Well, the Kyrie season as well, but, um, they, they've hit a little bit of adversity, but it's the type of adversity that I think the Sacramento Kings would love to have. Right. So, you know, that's, so realistically Tatum is, is not kind of in a position where he's like, you got to get me this guy and you got to get me that guy. You got guys, he's got guys. And he's not like he and Jalen Brown aren't like going to movies together. Right. But they, they do like each other and they're still trying to figure out how to work together a little bit yeah. this year, the first year without a Kemba, without a Kyrie. So I don't think there's that level. It's of, not that he, of, it's not the indictment. Like, you know, if LeBron and those guys start complaining about the effort from somebody else in the big three or, you know, Avery Bradley says, you know, LeBron's got to work harder uh, or yeah, whatever yeah. it is, it's really becomes an indictment of, of, uh, of them themselves. Different yeah. Position. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, before we let you uh, shift things in the next segment for uh, questions about the Lakers, got to ask how's uh, how's our Alter Freund, uh Dennis Schroeder doing over in Dennis Schroeder? He's uh, he's an interesting guy, um, an, an interesting player. He's he was great against Portland. He has these games where he's great. I think I'm curious to get your perspective on this. For a good portion of the season, you can say he's weird, John. We we spent all last <laughs> season. Saying it. You can it's, say it. It's it, it felt like every time I thought, God, he didn't play well, he had good stats. And I was like, huh, that, that's weird because the eye test tells me that he didn't play well, but he had like 20. And then I say, wow, he really played pretty good. And then I look at his stats I'm like, God, his, his box score looks like for the first like 20 games of the season. It felt like inverse, like whenever his box score was good, he played poorly to me. Was that like I, I think it depends understand. on what what do you it depends on what you want him to be doing. Like I, I you know, Schroeder was not bad last year for the Lakers. He played extremely no. hard. Um, I don't. He wasn't happy, and he you know clearly you know you know we all we talked about the contract and all that kind of stuff at length, and he you know botched that deal. But like he wasn't the reason they it wasn't a great fit, um, and and all of that. But I you know. I just think it depends on what you want. If you want him to be a guy who is a point guard, he's not like, he's not, he's not going to organize your offense. He's not going to make right. guys around him better and all what he can do is score. And, yeah. you know, if you want him to do that, if you want him to, you know, we need a guy who can put up 20 tonight because Jalen Brown is hurt. You know, he was putting up 30 for you guys at, at different points. Yeah. Um, and he, and he actually is a, is a pretty, I think, interested defender. And so you can use him that way. It's, I think he's just one of those guys that because he's so good at certain things, the expectation, the hope is he can be good at other things too, and he's not. And if you take him out of his lane, he's 
a relatively ineffective player and the and the the shortcomings are real obvious. Well, th- this is something, John, that I, I hit on a lot during last season, and a big reason why I went from really uh, approving and and happy about the deal the Lakers made to acquiring him to kind of I mean kind of souring on it relatively quickly. I don't think Schroeder is an ideal starting point guard. I think he is a super high end six man caliber player. And and by the way, that's not a, that's not a shot at Schroeder. Guys like that are extremely important. Guys like that can be a key part of a true contending team. But I think the more you have him out there, at, you know, with the responsibilities that you would ask of a starting point guard, the the diminishing returns start to happen because he's he's really a shooting guard who's way too small to be a shooting guard. So he kind of has to be a point guard, and he occasionally right. can distribute well. But the shortcomings that he has as a player, you know, physical limitations, all that stuff, start to come through more as a starter than as opposed to a six-man who's really just out there to get buckets and energize a team. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to all the latest episodes. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all the money you'll save and the knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G. Reminder, free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. So the thing with Schroeder with the Celtics is, I think that was where Marcus Smart's kind of early season kind of angst was centered. Um, But... He's he's basically a temporary player here. There's no, I don't think there's any way that he signs with the Celtics next year. He's going to go make more money somewhere else. I think that's what he um, thought with the Lakers. So don't get I ahead guess, of yourself. <laughs> no, it's true. Or he's going to make less money playing with the Magic next year like, <laughs> somehow. Like. Uh, actually, I'm I'm a proponent of trading Schroeder um, if they can. Uh, my 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 take on on trading Schroeder is some team out there is going to want to give something. For him, if you're in a pinch, you need that type of guy. Uh, I don't think it's unrealistic to ask for two second round picks for a guy. Yes, he's a free agent, but yeah, if you want to sign him, you want to get a a leg up and and maybe have a chance to re-sign him or, or get that. He is a really good six man. Uh, you want to get that guy on, and then sure, two two second round picks that opens up things for Peyton Pritchard to come in and be a, a backup point guard. And I think I think that settles things down a little bit for the Celtics, but. Um, let's, let's flip things over to the Lakers because obviously the big story with the Lakers is your starting point guard. And I'm, I knew everybody knew that Russ was going to come in and have trouble right away. Is there any hope for you guys that Russ is going to follow a similar path like he has in the past that slowly Mm -hmm. you're going to see, like, we've seen a couple of halves. From him, where you're like, okay, all right, I, I'm, I'm seeing it. Do you see any level of consistency starting to creep into his yeah, game? Yeah, that? it's it's yeah. funny. Like, we've done Monday's episode 
of Locked On Lakers was LeBron needs to play better. Like LeBron, even, I understand the injuries and all that kind of stuff. Like, but when he's on the floor, he has not been good enough offensively and defensively. He hasn't been as good as he was last year, which is at the very least where the Lakers need him to be. With with whether we did a, a whole episode last week about why AD needs to be better. Russ, it's been like a while since we've weeks, worried about Russ. Yeah, like he's been fine. Like I think yeah. if you know, as if if you don't expect Westbrook to be you know, a top five kind of player. And he hasn't been that guy in a little while. He's got his flaws are too big, but you know, a, a, an all-star, you know, first team, you know, second team, all NBA type third team, all NBA. He's been good. He's been, Russ yeah. is not their problem right now. I mean, like that said though, Andy, I, at least from my perspective, it's like the downstream effects of bringing Russ in are yep. really the issues. It's not, Westbrook's play because he's been basically what you would expect and kind of want him to be. It's just all the stuff that you were worried about that if you make this trade for what you gave up and what could go wrong has gone wrong. So the problem when in the first game was when the Celtics decided, oh, we're just going to go to the rim. There was absolutely nothing you can do. To, to stop it. To that is to still going to be a live option for you guys Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if, if, if may wants to just go ahead and put that as let's try that first. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling it will still work. Um, I remember but, being very upset on Twitter at like, guys, it's pretty clear what you need to do against these guys attack. And I remember Tatum settling for jumpers early on. I'm like this, that you cannot do the Lakers this favor. And they call a timeout. I think Tatum got, Two early fouls, and I was like, this is actually a good thing because Tatum's going to go reset on the bench, and Marcus Smart said, you know what? I'm just going to try this, and he just kept getting layups, and mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh, okay, okay. We, we can just conga line our way to the to the Yeah, rim. there's also there, there's a little play that a lot of teams have buried inside their playbook called the pick and roll that yeah. you guys can also use <laughs> oh, to attack the Lakers defensively. Pick. Just and, <laughs> and, and, yeah, uh, you can either, and you can write it out or you can use an ampersand. It's really up sometimes, to you. <laughs> sometimes just the pick or the rolls. <laughs> you don't even necessarily have pick to do or both. roll. So, okay. But, so here, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say like, you know, and, and this is like our debate, you know, kind of Monday, you know, Andy, Andy, and I, we both agree on the the broad principle here that LeBron is not engaged enough, certainly defensively, on a possession to possession basis. And one of the things I'm just super curious about, and I'd love to go back and look at the film, is to what degree he's actually less engaged than he has been in the last couple of years. The difference being, you have Kyle Kuzma, you have Contavious Caldwell Pope, you have Alex Caruso, and screw you guys for not uh, donating to the GoFundMe we had to try to you know, let the Lakers raise the revenue to keep Caruso around. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to hurt a lot more in, you know, March, but, um, you know, like the, the stars take defensive plays off, particularly when they, when they have to carry so much load offensively, it's not uncommon. LeBron does it. They all do it, but the infrastructure was there. So where to whatever degree it was, happening it was less noticeable than it is this year because there is no infrastructure around him this year it's a bunch of guys who kind of can play offense andy is there anybody who can kind of just play defense or is it just guys who can kind of just play play defense i mean dwight (laughs) yeah okay and that's it and like so when when ad and lebron aren't going 100 you know um and that's a problem because lebron isn't bulletproof anymore and that's just yeah it's not how this trade was supposed to work Here's here's my thought coming into this season was to 
not even almost not even pay attention to what the Lakers are doing in the first even half of the season. I I said I, I might have said it on Lockdown NBA a couple times. All the Lakers need to do is float around. I wouldn't be surprised if they floated around right where they are now. They're sixth. They're twelve and twelve. And look, the rest of the West, the rest of the league. There's a lot of parity in the league. You you can float around seven, eight, nine, and then March. Turn it on. Like LeBron is going to turn it on. Anthony Davis. You think Anthony Davis is going to take nothing but jumpers all season long? Like, no, I think most of these guys. I don't know, John. <laughs> I've seen I, this movie. He I, actually we're, a might. Of, we're a bit of a dark place here, John, when it, <laughs> LA hoops. A lot oh, of man. things seem possible. He's not going to take all jumpers, but he's going to take more jumpers than you would prefer. Sure. I mean, he's going to the rim. Sure. I can't believe this guy and coming in here to encourage Lakers fans, but I actually don't, from the outside 10,000 foot view, I actually don't. I'm not worried necessarily about the league. Now, I don't think they have what it takes to beat the top three in the mm-hmm. in the conference in a in a series, which is a problem. What I don't, kind of I just, comfort are you offering then? <laughs> like they're going to be a lovely think, five seed. <laughs> like they I have think, beaten the red hot Rockets twice. <laughs> I I think I think that after the All Star break or somewhere around there, you're going to see some level of LeBron. I think these guys are are sick of getting hurt late. I think Anthony Davis is sick of getting hurt late and they're taking a new approach. We're going to coast through the beginning of the season. We're going to turn it on. We're not going to kill ourselves. LeBron's not going to kill himself trying to get an MVP at at 35. He's not going to kill. I I just, I think that there's going to be a point later this season where the stories, ESPNs, the athletic are going to be like, whoa, LeBron is back. Anthony Davis is back. And and that's going to be enough to, to lift the Lakers. I think, well, Second half Lakers are going to be a much bigger force or a force. They're okay, not, you, you, force. Could, you could be correct, but here's two areas, John, where, where I'm going to have to disagree with you. First of all, LeBron wouldn't be trying to get an MVP at 35. He'd be trying at 37. 37. He's actually older than that. Um, but secondly, and this is what I think really matters, it's one thing to try to ramp yourself up you know, as, as a veteran team with a lot of championship experience when you have a lot of experience playing together. It's mm-hmm. another thing when you don't have the foundation built. So if that's something they're actively, I don't, I don't personally think it is. I think they've been struggling because they've been struggling. Um, I think sometimes they haven't been urgent enough about how it's a weird thing. They, they need to play harder. I've spent a lot of time talking about how they have to play harder and they haven't played hard enough, but I don't necessarily think that they're unaware that they're not uh, where they need to be. But the foundation isn't there yet. So if nothing else, that's going to be a really fascinating experience, uh, experiment to see, like, can you literally flip the switch with theoretically not nearly close to the foundation that's necessary when teams typically do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, it's it's a fair thing. And, and I don't think the roster construction is entirely going to support what LeBron and Davis are what I think they're going to end up becoming. And, and that's, you know, that, that's a different conversation, I suppose. But I think LeBron and Anthony Davis and, and with that improvement from Russell Westbrook, I think you are going to see a, a much different Lakers team later on this season. And, and what they're going to hope is this is going to be enough. The three Westbrook, Davis, LeBron, mm-hmm. Banding and raising their game 
is going to be enough. And, yeah. and look, the superstar I, I, version of those guys is what they're counting on. They just haven't gotten right. it. And right. And, and because they're all older and, you know, somewhat brittle, uh, they have to do it a different way. So I, I don't know what their ultimate ceiling is going to be. I still don't think that they're a championship team, but Hey, no one thought that the the Suns were going to be in the finals, and, and you never know what's going to happen. True, you you just I'm never going to doubt LeBron, even though he is more like you said, he's not bulletproof anymore. But I think I think he's going to reach a level, and and we'll see what happens there. Uh, so I think I think this what I'm seeing from the Lakers is it's 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 worse than I thought, like in the in the moment, but. When I pull when I pull back, I'm like it's it's still not bad. Like it's just I'm I'm putting that back burner. I'm like let, let me check in with the Lakers again in a couple of months because I look at the standings and they're twelve and twelve. I'm like oh that's dangerous. That's dangerous that they're like for all of the struggles that the Lakers have had, they really kind of needed to be like eight and sixteen for for me to be like ooh they they might have a that's problem. That's really five hundred now. If you break down the schedule, getting to eight and sixteen would have been a challenge. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I am, they were yeah, up, so they looked like they were up for it at certain points. But no, I, look, I that we'll is what the, that's what that's what people hope. And you this, know, it, the Celtics game is going to be an important game for you guys because mm-hmm. if it hap- if it goes the way it went the last time, then you can take what I said and and maybe be like, uh, not not tear it up, but like start to. Start the the process. Yeah, at some point, at some point, the Lakers need to start showing the capability of of beating decent teams. Yeah, um, you know they were at moral victory level against the Clippers on Friday, and the Clippers have their own issues. So, um, well, this was this was fun. We've never this was our our first real crossover. Uh, you of course have done many of these veteran of the network, which is probably why <laughs> the thing is green. Um, again, Lakers haterism like everywhere. Pulling strings. I'm the one. You got to make that green, or I'm out. Um, nice. GM. We'll, we'll see how it goes uh, on, on Tuesday night. John, thanks for doing this. This was fun. Yeah, man. It was a lot of fun, guys. Appreciate it.